Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast, code acast. And welcome to podcasts like it's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999, surrounded by dead bodies here in <laughs> 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us again to talk more British cinema, our favorite <laughs> anglophile, <laughs> our, uh, Karen Hans. So good to have you back. So, so happy to be back on the show and also to talk about this movie, which, yeah, and well, we'll get into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This movie is, a, it's interesting because, I mean, Karen uh, and I have been, you know, we've been trying to get this on the books for a while. And I knew that this was a film that you were excited to talk about. But, you know, Guy Ritchie is a, a, a weird thing. Like his mm-hmm. career in and of itself is a strange thing. Like I was, as I was watching this yesterday, I looked at his filmography and I was surprised kind of surprised how quickly he became a thing do you know what i mean like that obviously this movie is a big hit sure but then it does feel like snatch which i have not rewatched since it came out i don't know if snatch holds up maybe it does maybe it doesn't i don't know (laughs) um but it does feel like he gets sherlock holmes pretty quickly i mean it's Mm. it's it's you know it's i mean how could you how could you not give the director swept away uh, $20 <laughs> well, million. I mean, that's a crazy thing in and of itself. I mean, obviously, there's the Madonna of it all, but just like, you know, Lockstock comes out in 99, obviously, and 10 years later, he's got Sherlock Holmes. That's a pretty quick, well, you know, anyway. Yeah. He very quickly, and this was the time, this was the exact period when this could happen. He very quickly became a brand. 
um, yeah. Yeah. Be- becoming a brand is a huge deal for uh, mm-hmm. Hollywood who are, you know, really a bunch of boring people and don't want to do the work themselves. So if you can have a, a fully packaged product like Guy Ritchie, yeah. who has a brand and a voice in a specific style, um, marrying with Guy, marrying with Sherlock made a lot of sense. Now, full disclosure, Absolutely. never seen one, never seen one of those movies. Don't really want to. Um, I like them. They're fun. Yeah, I'm sure they're great. <laughs> For other people I, are you uh, so kenny have <laughs> you seen his out his like studio output i guess is the bigger question like i've never Holmes, seen man from anything uncle king arthur except Aladdin. for this and oh, wow. snatch oh wow uh, i didn't i didn't even watch uh i no no i've seen bits and pieces of aladdin i didn't even <laughs> watch swept away for our razzie draft um I, I knew that wasn't gonna be like, on there. He, and 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 I mean, the main reason I haven't watched the studio output is because those movies just don't really appeal to me. Um, I think you might like The Man from Uncle, quite honestly. It's a fun I've heard such good things about it that maybe I would give it a shot, but they don't really appeal to me. And part of that is because, like, uh, I'm not super into this movie or Snatch. Um, (laughs) Yeah, if you don't like this in particular, I do feel like it's very, like, if you're not on this wavelength, then you're just not on the wavelength (laughs) because it is what it is. His style is his style. I'm, I, and and by the way, honest. I don't. By the way, I don't yeah. dislike this movie. But and but but it, now I'm, I might be totally wrong, and this is a very unfair thing to say, having only seen a few movies uh, by him. It feels like this is like that's like like the top the best, of the top the, in terms good of what he can in, yeah. ter- in yeah. terms of what he does. Because I think there's so many elements of this that are excellent, and some that are like so not excellent that uh, I don't really want to sit through more of him. All right, that's it. I'll tell you specifics well, when we got to it. I, so Karen, I, I'm mm-hmm. curious, you know, so did you see this film in 99? I'm assuming not. No. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. Uh, so this movie, it's interesting, Kenny, because did you see it in 99? Uh, around then? Yeah, definitely yeah. around there. You know, this is this this is a, a must watch for a uh, for a, a boy like for, me in college. Well, and also just for for because it was a real moment, right? Like I think it's inter- what's interesting about this movie. And and I would argue Guy Ritchie, or what we sort of uh, associate with Guy Ritchie, I guess, is kind of a British Tarantino ish. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like this That's... very much feels like the not in terms of like how well it's done or in tone, but it's like British Reservoir Dogs in the same sense of like impact for, for sure. that director. Yes. British Reservoir Dogs with, uh, I mean, I do think it's British. I, th- I think he saw the first two tarantino movies and said i could do something like that yeah um because definitely british reservoir dogs but also um you know like reservoir dogs very very much is about those six guys or really about four of them um this is so sprawling you know this is pulling together like three or four disparate elements um and uh so that feels very pulp fiction Mm -hmm. yeah it's very i mean truthfully i haven't seen this movie since it came out and uh, it is convoluted. Like it is, you, I, I was very confused. Um, part of it is the accents. I have to be honest, <laughs> the accents are, are tough to discern. But it's like on top of you didn't do uh, you didn't do I just subtitles. Uh, subtitles. I should have done, done subtitles. It's a subtitle I, I, movie. If there's ever been one, <laughs> I really should have. I it, it's it's interesting because I feel like. Uh, there is the Tarantino thing, and then this is going to seem maybe more harsh than it should, but there's the boondock saints of it all, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, felt, felt that, too, buddy. 
right? It's like the the laddie energy. Where it's like, oh, we're lads, <laughs> yes. you know. Totally. Yeah. I think it's also because you know, working in a I, video I, store. I, sorry, go ahead, Kenny. I think this. I think this is the photo negative of yes. Yes. Boondock Saints. <laughs> no, for sure. I think what I. I think what this does well, Boondock Saints does horribly, and what mm-hmm. this does horribly, Boondock Saints does horribly. <laughs> yes, now, yes. I think this is a, I think this is a million times better than Boondock Saints because Boondock Saints is, is so deeply deplor- <laughs> deplorable at its because Boondock Saints is so deeply deplorable at its core. Yes, yes, yes. But I mean, this I'll, movie's I'll like give, playful uh, and kind uh, of cute uh, about uh, give its away. murder. Yeah, I mean, look, frankly, the the the. The last, the last bit of this movie jumped it up like 15 points for me. Like this movie Same. never stops having jokes. Yeah. So like, I'm super into that. Like it just mm-hmm. never stops like being like, no, we're, we're, we're in this for the, we're in this for the yucks. Like yeah. nothing else. Yeah. But actually um, sort of on that note to interrupt really briefly, oh, yeah, I almost please, please. feel like Kenny, you would like Sherlock better than like the rest of Guy Ritchie's movies because the one thing that I would say that differentiates those like franchise movies that he does from the like Guy Ritchie Guy Ritchie movies is that like someone is forcing him to have a little more direction (laughs) or like it's supposed to be more fun or broadly appealing than I think he has sort of lent with like later movies like thinking about Snatch and Revolver and Rock and Rolla like he gets more and more into the Guy Ritchie brand in a way that I think like his bigger movies like don't but anyway that's my no I I, I would I I, I would agree yeah I would go down that road a little bit. Yeah, I like it's it's. Yeah, I I I can talk about it. Why I love that lesson so much as we get to it. I'm just gonna you know cut ahead to why what I think is like so bad about this movie. It's horrible to look at. It's like so ugly. It's horrible to look at, and it is it is so poorly blocked and framed uh, and colored, and it's this this weird sepia throughout the whole thing that which is a choice he's talked about. Of course, it's so bizarre. Yeah. Wait, um, what has he said about it? Well, just he talked about the monochromatic sort of the the look of it was intentionally wanted it to feel sort of like uh weathered and old and and I think that he thought it was going to give it this like I, I don't know, this this like uh classical vibe yes, like that it felt like yeah, yeah, sorry. It, it seemed to be reaching for uh the British crime dramas of the 70s and 80s, specifically sure. Last Good Friday, right? Like it seemed to be like I am of, you know, I, I am I am doing for, for what my youth, what Tarantino did for his youth. And part of that is an aesthetic, but it's also to me like a like a like a like a lack of ambition when it comes to using the camera. And because of, and I think he does himself a disservice because I do think every other element is great. I think there is style to this. I think there's a lot of, and the the other part is, and this isn't his fault. This is the fault of the British monarchy. It's the whitest fucking movie. I know there are a couple yeah, of black characters, but these guys are these guys. And, and I, it's not even. I'm not saying that like there should be more diversity. I'm saying that like yo, I can't tell these guys apart. That, like I, that was my thing. Too, like, I am genuinely lost with I'm genuinely the four lost leads with yeah. which crew I'm with I'm I'm with at any given time. Are there um, are there any Karen boys in this? This uh, is like top to bottom. Nothing but Karen's boys. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. I saw and watched it because of like a couple of crushes that I had on some of the actors in the movie, and then it was just like the list got like longer and longer. Anyway, I assumed the the the. By by far, and I'm not saying this as a joke. By far, the yeah. hottest guy in the movie is um is the bat is uh is his name Bill the Baptist? Uh, Baptist. Oh, the 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 heavy guy? the heavy yeah, yeah, the heavy guy. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. so hot. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's like a 10 out of 10. I think he's like, I think, I think, I think he's got that Gandolfini thing where like, he's yeah. really, yeah. He's, he's like a, charisma he's is making up for charisma, like, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's a, not nothing, but like, he's got that Hoskins thing, you know, yeah. he's got like that British Hoskins thing. He's hotter than Hoskins. He's got that Hoskins thing. I do. Think and then the other like guy's hairier, like, though. Do you know what I mean? Does. He's like sweatier. People yes. seem to be into that. Like this, like isn't like this is the this is like this is the ideal male physique thing about yeah. Hoskins without a shirt. <laughs> Hoskins without a shirt is a hairy, hairy man. Yeah, it's oh. yeah. it's pretty. It's something else. I do want to sort of. I, I want to just piggyback on what you were saying, Kenny, in terms of the style, because I do think that, and I don't want to keep saying like if you watched his future films, but I do think that he does get a handle on his visuals as he quite frankly gets a little bit more money like almost, i think the aesthetic has to right exactly because like i i do think that and what i do remember about snatch isn't much but i do remember the brad pitt component obviously and and the the bare knuckle mm-hmm. boxing component of it and i did think that with a little bit more money and quite frankly a below the line that can allow guy Ritchie to make the movies look the way that he wants them to look like you what i think you're sensing in this film kenny and i agree with you is a guy who uh, has something in his head and is incapable of actually executing it. So like you're seeing the potential of visuals there that don't completely come together. I think you're, you know what, dude, I think you're right. I think, I I think what it is, 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 is the quote unquote potential of visuals because (laughs) I think it's, it's, I, I think every shot in this is, is a choice, you know, it's, it's, it's all well thought out. It's Mm -hmm. not as if he, wasn't capable of it, but I think he was trying something so specific and so, so, um, so like, like born out of this like British austerity, stagnant camera BBC shit, mm-hmm. where he didn't take the, he didn't take, I think, what is interesting. He didn't take everything that's interesting about the early Tarantino movies mm-hmm. took mm-hmm. some of it and then tried to marry it with something that's a little more, not my style. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, what's interesting though, because another British director who has a kind of boring first film this year that we've done is, <laughs> is Chris Nolan yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Nolan, the, the following there's, there's the, the following is kind of similar to this too, in that you're seeing a little baby version of what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the limitations of the following are, are similar to the limitations of, of this movie where, you know, what did he have? $30,000 or something. So it's a bit, a bit more different. than that. Actually, he had a budget of uh, 1.4 million. I'm talking about, Oh, you're talking about following. Chris Nolan. Following was nothing. Yeah. yeah following. Was I like, think yeah, following yeah, yeah. was like in the, in the yeah, five. It was minutes. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. Guy Richie got like sting in this movie. I mean, like he was a different guy. <laughs> at this at, at, You know, no, really. I mean, I read yeah. a little bit about it. He was a, he yeah. was a guy who like produced a really well, well beloved short short. Yeah. And uh, and got some serious money, but it does, you know, it, it does have that same kind of like, to me, following is a similar like I'm going to meld kind of the mind fucks of the 90s with some, you know, more British-esque stuff that I'm doing now. Memento doesn't feel like it's a British film at all to me. You know, I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily think that Nolan has that much British sensibilities necessarily in his films. I know what you're saying, but but I I do think that. So I mean, it's just about money now. (laughs) So Karen, in terms of like, you know, 
where this falls in kind of what's interesting about this. And it's, it's sort of what Kenny's talking about, which is Mm -hmm. that, you know, Guy Ritchie obviously has a big splashy entrance into, into cinema. He does a handful of sort of pseudo British kind of movies and then eventually gets kind of co-opted by the Hollywood machine. And Mm -hmm. that's where he is now. And then, and then he made the gentleman, which I've never seen. It's all still like, it's (laughs) It's all still these, I mean, as far as I can tell, they're all still these like, uh, $200 million movie, but with like strong, like British sensibilities, right? Yeah. yeah. Sherlock is yes. a British character. Man from Uncle British yes. uh, leads. In no, that. you're right. You're right. The gentleman, you know, it's a bunch of Brits. So it's still this idea. Well, the of, gentleman like, is, yeah. Yeah. What if we give, it, it really is like, what if we give the guy who did lock stock $100 million, which like but isn't I, the craziest plan. No, I, for and sure it's not. It totally worked. I do the question that I that I sort of imposing is outside of Matthew Vaughn, who is uh, obviously an acolyte, a producer of of mm-hmm. Guy Ritchie's. Um, I would argue maybe more successful. I don't. I, they're they're kind of on equal the level. The trajectory of success. has kind of gone. I think like Matthew Vaughn has at this point surpassed Guy Ritchie. Maybe yeah. not in terms of name value, but definitely in like movies Box that have office. done yeah. better. I, or like, I, I like, like what Matthew Vaughn does a lot. Yeah. Um, and it just, he, it, it just, it always has felt that maybe I'm extrapolating, but, or maybe I'm, you know, reading too much into it, but it's always felt like he has a little chip on his shoulder, a little something to prove with everybody. That's true. Because um, well, he started as a producer, and I imagine he feels that yeah. a little bit too. But yeah. my question was more about I can't think of any other British filmmakers necessarily that took Guy Ritchie's baton and ran with it. Like it still feels oh, like the Brits are still him. making the fucking you know locked off camera BBC movies. It's like even <laughs> with the success of this, no one was like, you know what? Yeah, we should make like energized. And everyone's like, no, no, no. Let's let's keep doing what we're doing. I think it's maybe partially it has to do with the fact that like um, this kind of style, I think, just because of what Guy Ritchie is doing, like, is associated with this very kind of like macho kind of like take on the world um whereas like there are like british directors who are doing really interesting and different things like in the independent space but they're not at all like this kind of energy so to speak like again pretty much all of guy Ritchie's movies are operating on the basis of like oh isn't it cool to be a guy like (laughs) yeah yeah i can tell you you from experience it is Uh, let me give a brief, uh, a brief context and synopsis well, for people. Before you do it, one, one yeah. last yeah. thing. Yeah, the movie, the, the, being a guy is amazing. Uh, one last thing. This movie yes. owes a tremendous debt of gratitude to Train Spotting. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, this, uh, like Train Spotting really kind of you know kicked the door down. I don't even think this movie exists. There's no template for it without Train Spotting. Um, there's you know modern template for it, and mm-hmm. so I think that. That's interesting too. The Danny Boyle became the Danny the Boyle Danny component Boyle. for sure. Yes, the, the guy he became, which was you know almost like I, I you know as it is, but almost Kubrick asking is like, I'll take on anything, you know, like whatever you yeah. got for me. Let's win an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> he's. I mean, Danny Boyle is one of those guys that, and I I, I look forward to Blank Check someday doing him because it feels like he's definitely a great filmography of just like a bunch of interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The guy's never made a boring movie. Yeah. He's made bad movies, but he's never made boring movies. That's um, important, and honestly. I, I think it's very important, and and I think that Guy Ritchie, you know, you look at his filmography, movies. and it's hard not to sort of see a guy who 
is just there doesn't seem to be a point of view anymore really like he's just kind of making movies he's getting paid he's doing what he's doing the the vision and the specificity whether you like this movie or not and i'm not even the biggest fan of this movie either but whether you like this film or not you have to kind of be like there's something here and it feels like hollywood saw that people saw that um and i'm just not convinced that he has much to say anymore it's almost it's almost an awesome movie karen i have a question for you (laughs) do you love this movie i really like it honestly (laughs) (laughs) which i'm discovering i'm now in the minority on this podcast no i don't think you're the i think we like it i think i like it it. i do like it i don't hate it by any means and this isn't uh i i think that it's more about what was interesting about rewatching this film for me was the headspace I was in when I saw it in 99, the headspace I'm in now. I think I'm kinder to this film now mm-hmm. than I was then. I think back then I was I was kind of annoyed by it. I didn't feel like I it felt derivative. It didn't feel as though, whereas now I kind of look at this thing. And again, with the perspective of being able to look at 20 some odd years of Guy Ritchie's career, it's given me a perspective to be able to enjoy this film, as Kenny said, as sort of the baby version of what Guy Ritchie has turned into. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, let me just give this context real quick and then we can uh, dive into the film, but uh, Eddie convinces three. Wait, 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 we cut Karen off. Karen, you'd love this film. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. I also had one other thing I wanted to say about Guy Ritchie, which is I feel like the last movie that he made that's really like just him doing his stuff is Wrath of Man, right? And I I really didn't like it, but I know a lot of people that did, Mm -hmm. which sort of does bring up the question for me, like, is the feeling that he doesn't have anything to say because he's been working on other people's stories, to put it very simply, Mm -hmm. or like, I don't know, like, is, I don't know, it's like success affects people differently in terms of like how they think about the world and how they want to tell stories. So who knows? Absolutely. I mean, I, I look, I, I'm just looking at his filmography, just, I'm going to walk through it just so that we, whatever you've got Lockstock and, and two smoking barrels snatch swept away. We'll talk about the Madonna of it all. Cause obviously that needs to be discussed at a certain point. Uh, Revolver, rock and Rolla, Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, man from uncle King Arthur, Aladdin, the gentleman wrath of man. And then he has three films that are coming out. He's got Operation Fortune, which I don't know what that is, Isn't but I think that's the, odd, the yes, and I think that Aubrey Plaza is in it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then uh, he's got Hercules, which is in pre-production on, which he's he's doing the live action oh. version of that for Disney. Um, you know, it's yeah, interesting. That'll be a disaster. I, I, it, it 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 might. I mean, listen. <laughs> I think we all thought Aladdin was going to be a disaster and then it made a billion dollars. So like, I don't think it's a good movie. I didn't like Aladdin, but Karen, Karen, as a globally, person, they uh, did slightly younger than us, just slightly. Mm-hmm. And also a, uh, just you know, a person, a person who understands Disney and loves Disney to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I right about that? Well, Aladdin being a disaster. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, do you like hurricane? Do you, do you like Hercules? Yeah, I think it's fun. Although, I mean, I think, it was just recent enough that it was like on the tail end of me being like the childhood age to be like, well, actually, you know, before I say that, let me try when Hercules came out. Okay, it's it 1997, was... so I absolutely was yeah. not on the. <laughs> I absolutely was not coming out of the. Um, thing. My my main memories though of Hercules are being like, oh, Hades is so cool, and that was about it. Oh, I really liked the dragons. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. And just looking at the poster on the Wikipedia, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. There's this stuff. It's I, a fun movie. I like it. 
I watched it for the Musker and Clemens blank check uh, miniseries, but I'd never seen Hercules. So this was, this was brand new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I really loved the, the style of animation. Yeah. I thought that some of the songs were cool. Um, but I'm also just sort of like, it didn't make much of a, an imprint or an impact, I felt like. Not at the, the time. way a lot of the other contemporary Disney films did, right. for sure. Which I'm sort of like, I mean, okay, yeah, I guess you can do this one in live action, but I'm just, I'm just not sure why we're doing it. But you know, yeah. well, Disney, they, that's just what they do now. Yeah, they'll sure. do everyone. But yeah, my, yeah. my, I'm, maybe I'm a baby, but my issue with it was I was very into that, you know, and still am into that, you know, that uh, what, what are the Disney Renaissance run? Sure, sure. Um, and I love all those films up to and including Pocahontas. Sure. And they all follow the same formula, more or less. And and um, Disney is, and, and like there's a little bit of kind of a little bit of kind of social commentary in Aladdin, mm-hmm. a little bit of snark, a little and, you know, not really in the other ones. And I'm OK with a little bit, even though that turned me off. You know, I'm looking for more or less straight up fairy tales out of this stuff. Uh, Hercules is like different. Hercules is like. Michael Jordan is kind of annoying, you know. Like Hercules is like, like Hercules is like, you know, Michael Jordan. He totally sold out to Nike, didn't he? Yeah. And it's, it's like, I'm like, yeah. come on, what are we doing here? I, I you don't know, know that you know, Hercules. You know, it's like, it's, Hercules straight up is like superheroing isn't as isn't as pure as it used to be. It's the beginning of Hercules. Is the is the close? It's interesting because I feel like Disney. Um, sort of stays away at least the renaissance one from being kind of meta and winky yeah you know i mean like aladdin is only insofar as that they put a microphone in front of robin williams and said just talk and he did yeah. and so there's a bunch of pop culture references but i do feel like <laughs> and, and it's it's siloed off to this one yes. character and it's you know sure. and that's that's kind of true for lion king as well like you, timon and puma are kind of playing a different game yeah than the rest of them, but whatever and, i don't care i'm enjoying yeah it. for sure it's I guess my point is that Disney and and I guess in turn Pixar have never really been Shrekified. Like they've never gone full DreamWorks where like they become sort of this weird meta crawling inside themselves thing. And I do feel like Hercules was treading a line. That's exactly what I'm feeling, Phil. I was going to make a Shrek point, but I think it predates Shrek, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah. Just barely. Yeah. It probably was a very, it was, it was probably like proto Katzenberg. Katzenberg was probably like, this is the one. <laughs> this, this is, is the jam. one they'll remember me by. <laughs> um, All right. Okay. Give so us some context. This Bill. Film, Eddie convinces three friends to pull funds for a high stake poker game against local crime boss Hatchet Harry. Harry cheats and Eddie loses, giving him a week to pay back 500,000 pounds or hand over his father's pub. Desperate Eddie and his friends wait for their neighbors to rob some drug dealers, then rob the robbers in turn. After both thefts, the number of in, uh, interested criminal parties increases with the four friends in dangerously over their heads. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoky Barrels opened on March 5th, 1999 against Analyze This, Cruel Intentions, 8mm, The Other Sister, and Payback. What a murderer's row of movies that is. Uh, only one genuine masterpiece. Uh, we have done all of them, yeah. Uh, it would go on to make $28 million on a $1.4 million budget. It's got 75% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 93% from audiences. This was a movie that really, I mean, as I was going to mention earlier, working in a video store, this was a big video store movie. Like, mm-hmm. this was one of those, like, 
was constantly rented, constantly out. Everyone felt like they discovered some fucking gem that they, you know, <laughs> that, that no one had had heard of. Um, and and as you can imagine, a lot of bros, a lot of lot of college guys coming in to rent Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, and Boondog Saints, and probably Donnie Darko as well. I'm pretty sure um, I had a poster for this um, when I was really? in college. Yeah. So these were Karen boys, early Karen boys. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I, I think Roger the line Ebert, yeah. goes to like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I was like, oh, Jason Fleming is great. And then I sought this out later on because of that. Jason Fleming does very much feel like he's always boy. good. Yeah, he is always good. I do feel like my brain, and this might be unfair, does blend him with Risa Fox. Mm, well, they both have like sad eyes. They both have say. sad eyes. And like extreme features. Like, yeah, I, I but do Jason feel Fleming like, is like yeah. sharper. Yes. He's like, mm-hmm. yes. Hit sharpen on recent. But both yeah. look like they could also be stop motion. I think they, <laughs> they yeah, could yeah, also yeah, be yeah, made yeah. out of clay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Roger Ebert gave the film three stars. Said Logstock and Two Smoking Barrel is like Tarantino crossed with the Marx Brothers. If Groucho had been into chopping off fingers, it's a bewilderingly complex caper film set among the low lives of London's East End, and we don't need to be told that the director used to make TV commercials. We figure that out when a cook <laughs> throws some veggies into water and the camera shoots up from the bottom of the pot. By the end of it all, you're reeling while trying to make sense of the plot. Logstock and Two Smoking Barrels seems like an exercise and style um, than anything else. And so it is. We don't care much about the characters. We realize the film's style stands outside the material and is lathered on top. There are freeze frames, jokey subtitles, speed up, slow motion, and the characters are controlled by the demands of a clockwork plot. But Lockstock is fun in a slapdash way. It has exuberance in a time when movies follow formulas like zombies. It's alive. I can't argue with any of that. Like, I do think that in 99, you know... As as Kitty and I have obviously spent the last four years doing, has there's a plethora of movies and the spectrum is wide. But in terms of the things that popped, it's understandable why something like this would pop. Yeah. Right. Like I think in a in a post pulp fiction universe, in a, in a sort of you know whatever, it is interesting. Like Boondock, did Boondock get a theatrical release? Kenny, I can't even remember if it did. It might have uh, briefly. I, I, think, I think it got a very very limited right. release i think we're talking about like thirty thousand in theaters or something like that right because um, this is one of yeah. the early films i can remember that was like a working title movie mm-hmm. and again i'm sure there are earlier ones than this so forgive me i don't necessarily know the history of that company but i just remember like i get why like comes at a sundance it's a big hit overseas it doesn't get released here until i think six or eight months after it's released in the uk and they sort of have the wind at their back i i get why it all kind of pops but then i also kind of i find myself going like imagining a bunch of forgive me american broy college students sitting back and watching this film and it's kind of hilarious to think about because like <laughs> I don't imagine they understand half the shit these people are saying. <laughs> and and it's and it takes place in basically a culture that they are completely unaware of. I just think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, but I would argue that for that particular value of why you're going to the movie theater, it is not super crucial for you to understand it totally. because something is constantly happening. Like there's no pauses yes. in this movie. It's always something happening. Yeah. And even yeah. if your understanding of it is pretty cursory, like it still has an arc to it yeah exactly 
It's it's listen, it's a manic movie. And I yeah. do think that and we really talked about this, Kenny. So I think it's worth talking about for a second, just in terms of for, for 99 context of like manic movies, movies that are kind of like in your face and trying to kind of keep your attention, because obviously that is really run with through the 2000s. Right. But mm-hmm. in the in the 90s, you only had sort of pockets of filmmakers, and I would argue better filmmakers at it, of doing stuff that's kind of in your face, uh, mm-hmm. aesthetically and, and visually and from a filmmaking perspective. Um, so it is interesting that we learned all the wrong lessons from these types of movies. Do you sort of know where you're getting at? Yeah, no, I do. I also love those type of movies. I <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, I, sure. I, I love I love being just assaulted by vision and sound. You know, that's um, one baby. Yeah, exactly. I, look, I the the by far the 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 thing I like least about movies is when I'm bored. Bored, sure. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, no. I mean, it's just it's it's the, the greatest sin to me is boring. Mm-hmm. So I'll take yeah, I'll take anything Baz has ever done um over yep. a lot of uh, of other filmmakers just because at least you know at least there's something to chew on there mm-hmm. um no no matter what yeah no i think you're i think you're right i i the other thing i think we've done a ton of and i had no idea about this before we started this podcast mm-hmm. was how many like pulp fictiony reservoir crime mm. papery knockoffs Oh, yeah. we've done and some it's are crazy. like really 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 good movies yep. like you know i thought two hands was one of the sure. better movies we've done mm-hmm. but and this is also like you know kind of in the in the like 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 in the top in that lane yeah in the top quarter of the ones mm-hmm. we've done but it really is amazing how much money was was thrown at people who think they can be the next tarantino yeah it's funny i mean like yeah. we constantly see this happening where everyone's like what's the next game of thrones and it's like doesn't really work that way it doesn't work that yeah. way sometimes you have so many imitators right sometimes you mm-hmm. just like some of these things some of these you know things just tons we're we're now i would say on the flip side we're now seven years into stranger things being a massive hit and mm-hmm. nobody has really like given given like put their weight behind trying to make the next stranger things which is kind of crazy to me it's i i so my roommate who works at a studio told me an incredible story a few months ago maybe it was longer now that i think about it it was after uh squid game had dropped mm-hmm. so forgive me i don't I remember, remember when that was story. but it's it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, so uh, Squid Game's this big fat hit, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, so she's in a staff meeting, and uh, without naming names, obviously, one of the people in this meeting says, one of essentially one of the bosses says, "So have any of you guys passed on any Squid Games recently?" Like the <sighs> idea that, like, I mean, that to me exemplifies everything about Hollywood, right? Yeah. Big hit. How can it's just heat seeking missile shit where you're just like, how do we capitalize on that thing? And I do think that you're absolutely right, Kenny, you know, the, the, the sort of the juggernaut that happens in the mid to late nineties of Tarantino and, and even Paul Thomas Anderson with Boogie Nights and all these sort of like really exciting, um, new voices it's understandable why everyone would be trying to find their version of that but part of why tarantino is so 
thrilling and amazing mm-hmm. is because I think you look at what he does and who he is. And I think so many, so many aspiring filmmakers and also executives and producers are like, mm-hmm. we can do that. You know, we, yep. we could, this isn't that hard. This is, yep. you know, this is basic camera packages. These are simple locations. These are, you know, so naive, <laughs> generally, generally speaking, like gettable actors. Yep. Right. Yep. I mean, yep. by Pulp Fiction, even like the whole point of Pulp Fiction was Travolta was like eminently gettable at the time. So mm-hmm. like, um, these are like gettable actors. These are like songs. No one has like heard of people they are giving are giving to you. Um, mm-hmm. And Tarantino is not a guy I went to film school, just mm-hmm. a geek at a video store, you know? So just like we can pull all these randoms. I mean, that's, that's the story of um, Troy Duffy, just another schmuck with a camera. Right? Troy Duffy like is, the, is exactly that. I mean, Troy yeah, Duffy is the, like, yeah. He's a loud schmuck Cautionary with a camera who loves yeah. film and thinks he can yeah. do everything too. So I think that that's, why at least as, as far as i'm i'm putting it together it's it's not only that reservoir dogs uh pulp fiction and you know kind of to a lesser extent because he, he kind of had his foot, feet firmly on the ground by the time he did jackie brown but um why those movies in particular uh spawn so many imitators um I do there's a, there, there it is this idea of we can do that it's deceptively simple is, is ultimately it's, what it comes down to. And and I would say there are fewer imitators of a Paul Thomas Anderson, even though there are plenty, but there are fewer because like, you know, the, the, the amount of research that goes into a boogie nights, the amount of, you know, cr- the amount of craft and, and, and production design that is and three hour epic of it all. That is such a heavy lift. Well, he's also, I would I would argue that Paul Thomas Anderson is much more of a moving target than Tarantino is in terms of like the genres and the things that he's I mean, it's clear to me anyway, and I think it's probably clear to everybody that like, you know, his influences post Boogie Nights became so much more diverse, right? Like mm-hmm. it just feel, felt as though his the expanse of his um, of, of what he found interesting just became so much broader. Because I imagine if you're Paul Thomas Anderson, you don't want to be a Tarantino clone. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that Boogie Nights got tagged with that a little bit back in, in the day, I do think that, you know, Magnolia is much more of a Robert Altman film than it is anything oh, yeah. else, right? Like, and obviously, you know, you, you look at all the different sort of uh, films he's made since. He's a fascinating guy. Tarantino, and I would argue, we're going to do Inglorious Bastards on our Patreon in a, mm-hmm. in a few weeks with, uh, with David Ehrlich, which we're very excited to do. Um, and we'll sort of unpack Tarantino in, in, in sort of uh, uh, all his glory, I guess, because there is a spectrum there, but it's a little bit narrower, right? Like in terms of what he, he wants to say, or at least the type of films that he makes. Yeah, I think by, I mean, again, you know, we're, we're pretty far afield, but I, I, I think by Kill Bill, um, the, it wasn't so much that he was outside of the spectrum, but like, it was almost this, like, this, like, conical sure, shape sure, sure. coming out of sure. it, which sure. is now I'm going to envelop everything that I've ever seen. Yeah, he kind of swallowed um, the entire spectrum of filmmaking, I guess, and kind of yeah, put it through but his But then, of prism. course, you know, I think I think Inglorious Bastards is a complete masterpiece, and I think part of it is because yeah. um, it is so different from so many of his films yeah. until it becomes exact, until, until it becomes a Tarantino film, Inglorious Bastards. which I love. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. I, I love. Yeah. I love that he kind of found the Tarantino film in that film, but 
you know, started with basically a fucking Sergio Leone film. I mean, like, what's yeah. the movie? The, the I, like first chapter of that it's, it's it's insane. It's, it's so good. Yeah. I I so a question for you guys for Lockstock, and forgive me if I missed this because Lord knows this film. I I was paying attention, and yet some of it I just got lost in. Oh, who's narrating this movie? The friend. Is it the friend? It's, it's Sting's friend. Yeah. Oh, it's Sting's friend. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's Sting's I couldn't... friend at the, at the end when he comes down. At of, the I... end we meet? Okay. okay. Yeah, at the end, it's whoever that guy is. It's just because the narration, which is, quite frankly, a little clunky. Like, it's a little hand-holding, which, which by the way, like, I, I imagine is a necessity, right? Like, without the narration, you'd be completely yeah. fucking lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I understand the, the importance of it. I was waiting for the reveal and clearly I missed it, but I, I, of, of where this voice was coming from. Um, but yeah, it, it's, what, what are you, what are your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on narration, Karen? What are your thoughts on V? Cause people seem to fucking hate it. And I'm, I'm sort of, I don't know. I think it's I mean, nonsense, I, I, but... ultimately, this is kind of a boring answer, but ultimately, I feel the same way about it as I do about any other kind of narrative tool, which is like, as long as you use it well, it's fine. I don't care. No, but if yeah. it's very easy to use it badly. No, for that's, sure. I remember but, I read I mean, quote... sometimes the boring answers are the right answers. No, for sure. <laughs> I, I, I read a quote from, um, from Frank Darabont years ago mm-hmm. where he was doing Shawshank, I think. And um, he you know, as, as we're all told in film school, like don't use narration. It's a crutch, blah, blah, blah. So he was trying to write Shawshank without narration. And then Goodfellas was on television and he watched and he was like, fuck them. Because like, <laughs> the narration in Goodfellas is just obviously perfect. And it's just like, to your point, if you do it well, who gives a shit if it's mm-hmm. a crutch? I mean, right. I, it's... I couldn't write. I mean, the, the novella is told it's first person from yeah. Red's from Red's point of view. I couldn't mm-hmm. conceive of trying to tell that story any other way. Yeah. There's would, no, I mean, be, it would be fucking awful, actually. <laughs> like, for sure. It really would be. Like, yeah. so much of that is the way Red uh, observes Andy. I also just think that, that um, you know, narration by and large, I understand people's concerns with it. Critics who feel it is too handholdy, this, that, and whatever. But I'll tell you what they'll hate even more. Bad expositional fucking dialogue yeah, that true. comes out of people's mouths that is necessary in order to forward the fucking broad, plot. Broad, so, I mean, yeah, that, that broadcast pilot, pilot stuff where brothers and sisters call each other bro and sis. Um, wait, Phil, I have a question for you. And Karen, you too. Uh-huh. Have you guys ever used uh, VO in a script? Like, like narration, like this kind of VO. No, uh, but I, I haven't used, written as many as you guys. So I used. See, here's my thing. In television, I kind of love it. Like I, I actually really, you know, one of my favorite things about um uh, about TV is that Carrie Bradshaw can just fucking talk over an episode and give you that structure. I love that Felicity has a fucking dictaphone and she's talking yeah. to uh you know one of her teachers back home like i love that device so i have used it in pilots i was going to use it in dealey i was told not to Mm -hmm. but i i I do think that it can be great it feels like such a lovely almost nostalgic broadcast thing to do we don't see it anymore really veronica mars did it Mm -hmm. yes 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 yes. um i mean i think that these i i i mean we happen to kind of name four YA-ish uh, female protagonist shows. We did. Um, I think uh, I, I I can't remember ever using it 
for all the reasons that we're talking It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Talking about you are shamed <laughs> out of using it. And whatever you like, and whatever you like, feel like maybe we should do VO here. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the it, out of any narrative tool, it is the 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 biggest thing that you have to like steal yourself and you're like all right i'm good to this. <laughs> i have the reasons why i need it like i'm writing something right now i remember there was something that i, I remember i was like should we do vo here i'm like yeah maybe we should and then i'm writing i'm not doing it because i'm a wimp um, <laughs> now i'm thinking about doing yeah. it i actually have only read the outline not the pilot now i'm thinking maybe i should do it fuck it I think VO, I mean, I genuinely believe that VO is one of those things that people complain about. And I, I just, I, I just don't think it's an, uh, a thing that's worth bitching about quite honestly. To, to VO is great. Um, total side question uh, on a, on a, on a completely different note. This is Jason Statham's first movie. Uh, Jason Statham they apparently. VO and fucking Citizen Kane. <laughs> They do. They do. Come on. They do. Yeah. Uh, Jason Statham, who apparently this is all you're going to be thinking about now for the rest of the episode. You know that you know you know that, Karen. I'm like, yeah. I've, I've, well, I've I've been I've been working on this argument for about 15 years, right? <laughs> like it just occurred to me. I'm like, wait, and also maybe obviously also fucking Sunset Boulevard, which is my, where my head went first. It's a perfect fucking movie, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sunset yeah. Boulevard, but yeah. also like Citizen Kane. It goes to the top. It goes to the top. <laughs> I, I so my question is: Jason Statham, who apparently hasn't aged a day in twenty five years, who looked the same, has looked the same He's outside of great right now. He looks yeah. he looks great. No, no, I'm certainly not complaining. Um, Jason Statham is quite good in this considering yeah. it's the first thing he's ever done it's also he the is. first movie that vinnie jones has ever been in also um, who's who's also amazing great. yeah it's also great i i do think it's interesting <laughs> that i mean more so jason than vinnie because vinnie's career is puttered out a little bit but i do think that jason statham has found ways to uh show the range he's got right like the guy can obviously do your action films but he he does get the joke. And I guess this is all just a long way of saying that um, what uh, Guy Ritchie sees in him taps into him in this film kind of goes away a little bit because I feel like he becomes kind of just a heavy for a little while, but I do feel like it's come back around a bit. And now he's tapping a little bit more into the humor that, that he has in this. This was honestly the most surprising thing for me when I was watching this movie. Like obviously I'd seen it before, but I think this is the first time that I really noticed like how, 
like not furrowed Jason Statham's brows in this the whole time. Like it's very open, just very normal. Yeah. And that makes him look younger than he is. Like just because we're so used to him looking like the tough yeah. guy all the time now, even like in the roles where he's comedically he where he's being funny where it's like i think we're all thinking about spy and how good he is in that yeah, movie fun, um yeah. but even in that like the joke is on like the image that he's cultivated rather than necessarily mm-hmm. like allowing him to be um funny in a more kind of light way um all that to say he's a really good actor i think he's he great. is i i really have to say that watching this i it was I'm not sure that I ever fully understood the Jason Statham thing Mm -hmm. until I saw this film, if I'm being completely honest. And it's not to say that I don't like him in the fast movies or that I don't like him in spy. I, he is, he's soup. He's funny as all that. But I think to your point, it's a commentary, right? Like it's this meta thing that he's doing watching him in this. I'm like, yeah, that guy's a star. Like I can understand why people thought he could be a star, you know, I, and, and I do wonder whether or not hopefully he can branch out even more and he can start showing um, more colors than just kind of this, uh, this commentary on, on the heavy that he does. But, but again, like you kind of nailed it. He's not furrowed. He's not. He's just very charming. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I also think like, this also speaks to something that I like about Guy Ritchie's movies in general, which is I think he's a really good eye for actors. I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and, and showing, I mean, listen, I, I, I don't, uh, I never saw the gentleman, so I can't speak to the gentleman, but uh, mm-hmm. I do think that looking at, and, and again, everyone's favorite cannibal, uh, Army Miller, Ar- Army Hammer. Uh, in, <laughs> Army in, uh, it's a lot. Uh, there's a lot going on right now. Yeah. In, uh, in Man from Uncle, I do think that. He and, is and, my, and a, my favorite cannibal. He's You're your right. favorite cannibal. I, I do <sighs> think that um, I'm obviously joking, but I, I I do think that that movie, Alicia Vikander playing essentially almost like an Audrey Hepburn type role. Um, all, all four of those leads, I would argue, are playing kind of against type in doing things that that you know even Hugh Grant shows up. He's very funny in that film. Like I, yeah. I agree with you. I do think that he. I wouldn't necessarily have thought of some of these people in the way that he does think of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially if you look at the supporting cast of all his big movies, like he really knows like how to pick his actors. Like, I feel like he is kind of the first director. Well, maybe not if you count like TV stuff, but at least in terms of film, like these are some of the first big roles that like Mark Strong had with revolver and rock and roll. And he's really, really good in those. And I can see like, producers being mad that he wouldn't cast like a more famous person in those roles especially in rock and roll where he is very prominent in it where like i don't know he he's just good at casting good actors who aren't necessarily the first people you think of for yep. any yep. given role I, I i agree with that 100 percent. i i think that i mean listen there's a necessity in the film like this of casting people that obviously you know are newbies relatively Mm -hmm. cheap all of that kind of stuff um you get who you can and i and i do think that that can go badly too right like we've seen many films over the course of 99 canny of of just sort of people that are put into movies because they just need these roles filled and you know it, it doesn't go well um there are uh 44 speaking parts in this film 17 of them were by people that had never acted before wow um which is pretty unbelievable when you think about it yeah um it's 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 pretty crazy there's also this this 
somewhat ludicrous story um, that basically the film was having trouble finding a distributor. So um, one of, uh, I guess, one of the actors, one of the producers, someone knew Tom Cruise, crazily enough. Uh, And he attended a screening. And Matthew Vaughn later recalled it was hysterical. Uh, You had all these mid-level executives sitting there. Cruise walks in. He he saw them all sit up and pay attention, all getting on their phones. Suddenly, all these senior executives are joining the screening. And at the end, Tom stands up and says, this is the best movie I've seen in years. You guys would be fools not to buy it. Wow. Which is insane uh yeah i mean, I, sure i i do think though there's something interesting about like i mean listen we could do many many hours on tom cruise and i do think that tom cruise has an eye for directors an eye for um people that that make sense that can break through um i mean he almost made mission impossible 3 with uh with matthew carnahan all those many years ago after he saw narc like i do think that he's a guy who can see your potential you know uh joe Joe, sorry joe joe carnahan my apologies um so i I, yeah it's 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 not surprising that he sat down and watched a Guy Ritchie film and was like, this guy's got something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would watch a Guy something. Ritchie Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Whatever that is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's, I, I think he's, I, I don't know. I, you know, I used to have a real bee in my bonnet, if you will, about Guy Ritchie, because mm-hmm. I felt like they're just, I wasn't sure that there was any there there. Um, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I, I just I and and I think part of it is again stems from seeing this in '99, probably just being a fucking film snob. Um, you know, I was in my first year of film school at the time. I'm sure I thought myself, you know, to be some sort of auteur, and I'm sure I watched this film and was just kind of annoyed by it. Um, and now I kind of look at his at his filmography, and I, you know, not to belabor the point, but I do think Sherlock Holmes, Man from Uncle, show that this guy isn't just a gun for hire; that he can give you something a little bit more. Um, so I'm I, I I'm I'm curious to see what you know he continues doing. I I never had a really good sense of what the critical consensus was of uh, pre-Hollywood Guy Ritchie. Mm -hmm. I never really got if people thought he was uh, a budding auteur or a ripoff artist Mm -hmm. or something in between. Um, I I had the sense that people really liked Lockstock. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't have the sense that people didn't like Lockstock. You know, like I, it definitely right. didn't feel like it was Boondocks. You know, mm-hmm. people were like, "Fuck that film." It felt more mm-hmm. like this is a like this is good elevated pulp. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what it always kind of seemed to me was like this is good elevated pulp. Yep. Um, and Guy Ritchie is more good than bad. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure. Like, like your reaction in terms, and I assume that this was shared by a lot of people you knew at the time. Your reaction, I didn't really realize people had. I didn't realize a lot of people saw that and went, uh, essentially, this guy's a fraud. Um, I, no, I, just to be clear, I don't, I don't know that I, I, I thought he was a fraud necessarily. I just think that I – it just – I don't know. I, I have a vague recollection of seeing it with a friend who was big into sort of British stuff and just feeling a little bit like – sure that guy wasn't annoying at all. <laughs> You know, and I just felt kind of like, yeah, okay, sure. I, you know, I, it, it's weird because watching it now, it honestly feels kind of quaint. Uh, 
And I don't say that in a, in a patronizing way. Like it, it does feel like it is a lot of, it is quaint, right? I mean, yes. a lot of the 99 films we've covered have that sort of uh, vibe, if you will. Right. Especially with the, the younger filmmakers. Um, but do you remember Karen, when you saw it first, do you remember sort of, it the, would have been impact? end of high school, early college for me, which again, I literally specifically sought it out because I like a bunch of the actors yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah. Um, I, for that value, I really liked it. And I also yeah. think like, this is around the time where I was also really starting to get into Tarantino as well, where it's like, it really worked for me and watching it again now, it honestly is really impressive to me that this is what Richie's first feature that he directed like it's really impressive and does everything that it needs to I think really really well Mm -hmm. um and to a certain extent like I I feel like this plus Snatch which I think did pretty well when it came out or was really well received Mm -hmm. like it explains a lot about why he got Sherlock Holmes because I I don't think Revolver and Rock and Roller had the same kind of impact that these movies did and obviously Swept Away didn't but like the (laughs) legacy that this movie and Snatch had was enough to get him Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I mean, Snatch is one of those films too that, so Snatch, uh, yeah, Snatch cost 10 million, made uh, just shy of 100. So like, yeah, Whew. they, they, they're, they're laughing all the way to the bank on that one. Benicio mm-hmm. Del Toro, Dennis Farina, Vinnie Jones, Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, I just, the thing that I remember most is that Brad Pitt's uh, unintelligible through the entire yeah. film, um, which yeah. feels like a, you know, a wink to the fact that, people probably didn't understand lock stock and two smoking barrels um but in terms of the the accents but yeah i mean you're, you're absolutely right you know it, it's uh joel silver is the guy who produces rock and rolla if i'm not mistaken i also believe he did he produce sherlock holmes as well am i making that up seems like the kind of thing he might do um because he <laughs> if it wasn't him it certainly was village Roadshow. Mm-hmm. And that they were the same student. Um, this is all just a long way of saying that it's all kind of interconnected, right? Like Rock and Rolla does well enough, I assume. How did Rock and Rolla do? Um, uh, Joel I Silver mean, did do Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, okay. okay. And and Rock and Rolla cost uh, eighteen and made twenty five, so it didn't do great. Um, but I imagine that to your point, Karen, uh, it showed that the guy had a visual acuity and a and a and a uh, a style that could be smart for Sherlock Holmes. I mean, listen, Sherlock Holmes is definitely a Guy Ritchie movie. You still have yeah, slow motion absolutely. bare knuckle fucking boxing. Uh like it's <laughs> it's like it's it's not not, not a Guy Ritchie yeah. movie. <laughs> but but I do think that um yeah I mean I, I don't know. I, I I tried to watch Man from Uncle again recently, and it's just a charming movie. I, I don't, I, and part of it I think is just um, the source material and casting, and 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 Guy Ritchie kind of getting out of his own way and just letting it be what it is. It's not to say that um, we, I'm sure. Did you guys ever hear of the rumors of uh, there was a, a a George Clooney Man from Uncle that Soderbergh was trying to direct? <gasps> so that was like that. That was sort of a post Oceans. They been were so going to do fun. that. Oh, it would have been unbelievable, but I, I guess Soderbergh was asking for like some astronomical budget, and ultimately it, it it didn't happen. The irony, of course, being they spent a fraction of the money on this version and it flopped. So you know, well, still, it's they, kind of you know. Man from Uncle. I think has like I'm gonna I'm gonna exaggerate, but I I, I think it has like eight credited writers. Yes, and I think yes. part of it is it, it went it was like a 15 year process using yep. all these elements from all these different scripts and all these different yep. ideas and. uh 
It and sounds like I, Richie somehow can sign that into a movie. It, into, into a movie that, quite honestly, I remember I saw it with friends and we all left the theater and being like, that was fun. Like, I don't understand why everyone's shitting on this thing. I didn't There's really a part like of- it. <laughs> You did or didn't? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, that's 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 totally fine. I I, I obviously that's, but I I do wonder whether or not, to Kenny's point, also just the history of the project felt very much like Warner Brothers is like we have a franchise on our hands here. Mm-hmm. Like if we do this right, we could have you know a playful spy type thing that we could do a bunch of. Um, I mean, even just in the casting of of Henry Cavill and and at the time, Army Hammer, both of those are guys that are in theory on the way up. I mean, it could have been a big success. Um, the whole cast is, but it's it's just, uh, yeah, this is all just a long way of saying that. Did, did you see King Arthur, Karen? King Arthur is fucking bonkers. That movie is crazy weird. Yeah, it's not like a great movie, I would say, no. but it's very fun. <laughs> It is, uh, but I, what are your Charlie Hunnam thoughts? If he has the right material, he can be really good. Like I still, okay. I'm still like, like obsessed with the Lost City of Zed. Like I think he's really, really good in that. That okay. movie is perfect. But like I haven't liked him in everything that I've seen, so yeah. it feels like it's very much dependent on the material and maybe also the like the director. Yeah, uh, I do. You have Charlie Hunnam thoughts? I have none. <laughs> <laughs> I have none. I, he's one no of those Charlie guys. Hunnam thoughts. Charlie Hunnam, who, I mean, obviously, Sons of Anarchy, an enormous show, a big hit, and an attempt, you know, many attempts have been made to transition him to, to features. Um, you know, I I like him in the Guillermo del Toro movies, but he also just sort of feels like, why are you in Crimson Peak, Charlie? Like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing in this movie? Like, I liked him fine in Pacific Rim, um, but... Uh, he i still think it's hilarious that he was almost christian gray for, oh, for a, a yeah. yeah yeah um which i mean i don't know what that looks like but sure um i, I mean it, it is what it is but yeah he's it's it, this is all just a long way of saying that i think he's an interesting guy it's an interesting call for him to be king arthur it's a weird king arthur take yeah um but yeah I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I didn't hate this movie. The more we talk about this movie, the more I liked this movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I you know, really didn't like it back in the day, but now I'm finding myself sort of thinking about how, and this is going to be a weird thing to say, all things considered, how light a touch this movie has. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that, though. I think you're right. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think that this movie is trying to say or do too much it just wants to be a fun ride yep and it's hard to hate on a movie like that it's not trying i mean i i i I was thinking the same thing uh throughout because um there is no subtext here Mm -hmm. this is like this is kind of kind of like a a firmly middle brow movie even though it's made for not a lot of money in that generally think a middle brow movie is a movie that just kind of says what it says you know Mm -hmm. it's just kind of it's just kind of telling you telling you what it's about yeah. Um, and do it in a pretty straightforward way. It doesn't aspire to be high art. It is uh it doesn't aspire to be trash that you know could be kind of reconstructed later. It's a story. Yeah. I think it's a it's a it, you know, it's a plot-driven uh caper. Um, I think the bones of the of the plot yeah. and the caper are pretty fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, I like the twists, I like the you know, I like the introduction of new characters and new obstacles. I think the stuff with the cage is pretty funny. 
I think the uh, the inciting incident is deeply stupid, but um, that doesn't really matter that much. Like, I think it's, yeah. I, I, I like there's such an easier way to get him to owe the money than have something that would never in a million years happen in a game of poker. Yeah. Basically, like, you don't have yeah. to take the loan from the guy you're playing against. You yep. could have taken a loan from the house and yep. then owed the house. Like, it's just like, that's just the one thing where it's just like, have you played poker before? But um, that's fine. I, it's like, yeah, go ahead. I, I also just want to say, too, um, one thing that this movie does really well is camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's a really hard thing to do. Um, part of it's in the casting, but part of it, you know, Kenny, you're absolutely right in terms of like the framing and the blocking and this, that I agree, all that stuff is not great. But what he is able to do is capture an energy and a chemistry between the characters. And that's an exceedingly hard thing to do. Um, it's it's a vibe and you want to hang out with these people. And that is so vitally important. If you didn't want to hang out with these people, you're obviously toast, but it also just feels like sometimes it just, the director just can't seem to just let these people be. And sometimes it just feels like the camera's just there and you're just specifically, I'm thinking about basically the bar scenes where I imagine yeah. we're all drunk anyway, um, which is fine. But I, I, those scenes, especially the end, which you were referring to earlier, Kenny, which, you know, obviously I want to talk about, like there's just a, a, a vibe of a bunch of buddies that just can't seem to get out of their own way. Yeah. And that's, yeah, really fun to watch. Hard, hard to hard to hate on. Um, I, I agree with you. I, do you? So, what are your thoughts on on the end, Kenny? Which you were you mentioned earlier? Oh yeah. Well, I, I so I thought the um. <laughs> sorry, nothing <laughs> enough. Uh, I, I I I so I think the 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 end is kind of typical up mm. until the end end right. So in the end, the the most the most. Uh, sympathetic character, which is Big Chris, Vinny Jones, um, <laughs> who walks around with little Chris, his little son, who's threatened oh, yeah. at some point. Love, love Walks them. away with all, the, so great. Walks yeah. away with all the money in a great monologue. Um, <laughs> everyone looks like a bunch of fools in the yeah. in the aftermath. But he leaves him with this one little, he leaves them with this one little, like, parting gift, which is those guns you stole from these old people are actually worth a lot of money. You know, yeah. quite a lot of, of yeah. quid, if you will. <laughs> about a million dollars, all things considered. About so a million dollars. 300,000 pounds. One of the schmoes also had just uh, left to go get rid of them because they're evidence in the crime they committed. Mm-hmm. He was so, berated and told to get rid of them, to be clear. Yes, yes, because he was a moron <laughs> for keeping them around. Yes. So these guys, yes. at that moment, it's it's so slapsticky it's it, oh so so the guy goes to get rid of it they all have these cell phones they call they try to call him meanwhile he's throwing these he's throwing these guns off the bridge but they landed on a ledge so there's still a chance to get it back so as he is either trying to retrieve these guns or push them over and halfway over the ledge himself mm-hmm. holding on and with his cell phone in his mouth for you know god knows what sure. reason but it works perfectly yeah. um he gets this call which you know the other line is save the guns uh, but he's unable to answer the call it is so you almost hear the curb your enthusiasm music playing. <laughs> yeah 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 it is so like you it is so funny and yeah. silly and like it is just it is to me it's almost like a fucking magnolia but it did happen moment which is like <laughs> Take this that seriously, guys. It's a silly crime caper. Like, don't, like, like, like. I mean, it's almost like, like, a, like a broadside 
um, shot against potential critics who might be like, yet another overly violent crime movie. It's, a <laughs> it's fun. It's I, silly. Yeah. I couldn't I'm agree with you crazy more. about it. It's yeah. so, it is, it is the, it's the only part of the movie that, and I think this actually, you know, redeems the entire movie that makes me feel like Guy Ritchie's one of us. You know, it's like he, you're not yeah. trying to be like a super cool, like Troy Duffy guy who, who, <laughs> thinks, who thinks movies are about slow mo and like blood and, and, and like splatter shots. Yeah. It's like, no, movies are fun. You yeah. just saw a fun movie. Like, they're just fun shit, right, guys? Totally. Yeah, it's so, a really good ending to basically drive across, like, don't take it too serious. I, you know, I, there's two things that that occurred to me as you were talking, Kenny. The first is I love that the guy's name is Troy Duffy. It's the perfect fucking name ever. Like, it just, <laughs> of course, his name is Troy Duffy. But that being said, um, often people have talked about how uh, how you have your audience leave a movie, right? That the 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 final moments before the credits roll, that's how you're going to be remembered by your audience, right? And the end of this film is so perfect; it made me enjoy what came before it that much more yeah so like you can't ask more from an ending than um, an ending that makes you smile that makes you go that's funny but also makes you think like oh yeah i mean this whole thing has been in this vibe and maybe i just haven't been thinking about it through the right you know lens i i i do think that um there's something great about it being a freeze frame as well i generally speaking not knowing how it's going to end is is you know, can sometimes be a crutch, can sometimes be like, a, I don't really had, know. How, had to be like But that. it had to had be this to be ending. Like for this. Had it's, to. It, mm-hmm. it really did. It's yeah, it's a that. really, you know, it's a lot more fun than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as confused as I might have been about some of the turns and some of the stuff that was going on at times, um, it ends on the absolutely perfect note for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's rate this because Karen, I'm curious. I want to ask you about the film that we're covering next week. I don't uh-huh. know if you know these filmmakers, but I'm eh, maybe you do. So, uh, Kenny, what are, what are your thoughts? What's your rating on this? Oh, I actually wrote it down like a grown. <laughs> so hold on, like a grown up. <laughs> sure, like a responsible person. Yeah, sure. Said it just off the top of my brain. I wrote down a lot of things. Um, okay. Uh, all right. So I gave it a seventy going okay. into today um what did you think back in the day that oh back in the day uh sorry i so i never really thought much of this film i certainly didn't dislike it but like Mm -hmm. i never thought it was great and i think you guys know (laughs) intimately uh i am i am the opposite of an angle anglophile i think i think the, i think the i think the brits are 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 miserable fucks wait kenny have you seen rrr I can't wait to see our. You I, gotta, have I, just, to. I just have to find. I have to find three hours. But you have to. Uh, is it about how horrible Brits are? Yeah, it's yeah, all just dunking on Brits for three hours. <laughs> well, the 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 thing with Brits, and I'm sure the you know the the experience for Indians are, is different. But the thing mm. with Brits is they fucking hate us. They think we are the worst. They think they we hate are themselves like, too. It seems like. great, great, but they hate. <laughs> and we sit here and we give them our awards and we act like and we act like the Beatles are ours we act like real art and culture comes from them sipping tea sure. with their pinkies sure. up 
and anything like in the loop is a, is a, is a, is a good example. Yes, anything that sure. like with British people taking the piss out of British people is wonderful to me. Yes, because yes. I'm like, oh, you see, you're you you're the bad guys. Like <laughs> you're the villains in in this yes. in this relationship. It's not us plucky Americans constantly trying to like prove to you, prove to you to our big brother that we're like worthy of having like a like a fucking <laughs> China dinner with, uh, fine happening? China dinner with. Uh, I <laughs> so I hate the Brits. Okay. So here's what I'm here, here. Yeah, yeah. The, the reason I bring it up is because I've always kind of blanched at the notion mm. that British people or British movies are more sophisticated, specifically because they are just coming from that country. And I think that that's a case for a lot of people. I think that there's a particular type of you know quote unquote film bro who uh there there's a great character in um in Band Slam Phil. Of that guy yes, of the, yes. the basis who puts Bam on a British slam, accent yes. movie because he always because because he thinks that you know great Brit- museums great musicians are British. I think that happens with uh, with kind of this idea of like British crime that there's like something sophisticated to the way they kill people and rob people and screw people over. And I've always had kind of a a, a pit in my stomach about that. So Lockstack <laughs> always kind of rubbed me the wrong way for that particular sure, reason, sure, right? Sure. Trade spotting the opposite, obviously, which is sure. like, yeah, Brits are fucks up, fuck ups too. Like, I know I've been saying that the whole time. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I, I think I probably would have given it about a 61 before. Like fun okay. movie, but like ultimately like get out of here with your Brits are cooler than Americans. After this conversation, and having grown up and you know moving past my, my anti-British <laughs> thoughts uh, to some extent, sure. Uh, I, I I'm gonna give it like a seventy-six. <laughs> I think like I, I do want this like I, I want it noted and recorded that I like this movie and I'm happy we did it and I was a little nervous that I wasn't gonna like it <laughs> and um, I'm really kind of I'm really kind of thrilled that I rewatched it. I don't think I'd seen it in twenty. 20- Two twenty-three years. So mm-hmm. it's a good movie. How about you, Karen? What do you think back in the day, and what are you thinking now? I liked it a lot back in the day, and I still like it a lot. I think I would rate it like an eighty or eighty-five or something like okay. that. Okay. Um, just because, like, there are some moments in which you can tell it's very much a product of its time. Sure, sure. Uh, that you would not put in your movie today, but it's still really fun. I think it's really well made. It's really well cast. Guy Ritchie is a fun director. I like it. I think it's fun. <laughs> Um, very succinct. Yeah, I mean, back in 99, uh, as I said, I wasn't a fan of this movie. I probably would have given it like a 57 back then. I, I think that I was just sort of, uh, you know, just a snobby film student, what have you. Uh, watching it the other day, um, liked it a lot more. Uh, probably gave it about a 70. And now I'm, I'm at like a 75, I'd say. Like, I, I think that it's, uh, I think it's a better movie than I gave credit to back in the day, certainly. And, um, I just, I really do think that that the years and having seen another Guy Ritchie film since have helped me appreciate this film more mm-hmm. than I did back in uh, back in its in its time. Um, so next week, Karen, do you have thoughts on the Polish brothers? Have you seen their films? Oh, do I don't you... think I have. I feel I mean... like so. We're the, the film that Kenny and I. Uh, are doing next week is called Twin Falls, Idaho, which is um, a film by um, the Polish brothers. They've done a a handful of movies. You might, I felt like maybe you would have seen like North Fork or the astronaut farmer. It feels like something that maybe a Karen Han might've seen. Yeah. I'm looking at all of these titles and I've, (laughs) I've, I've just missed all of these movies. 
I think you would like Twin Falls, Idaho. It's okay. a really, um, yeah, it's basically, it's a good movie. I think you'll really dig it. It's basically um, uh, two Siamese twins that are attached at the, at the chest um, and, and their relationship with this. I don't know what you, what would you call her, Kenny? I mean, was she a prostitute? <laughs> I can't tell if she was or she, not. She was. Okay. She, she was. was. She, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's got a very sort of, and you know, Kenny and I talk a fair amount about this in the episode um, just about sort of, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on, on this of just sort of um, people trying to do Lynchian things mm-hmm. and why that is a mistake for most filmmakers to do. Yeah. Um, I, I think that this, these guys actually pull it off. Uh, and their oh. career kind of um, unfortunately doesn't take off in the way that maybe they would have liked. But um, wh- do you have thoughts about people? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, there, shit. There... Wait. No. I have, I've seen one of their movies and it's 90 Minutes in Heaven. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that is. It's, oh, a, that it's, a, very, that it's a Christian drama film that I watched oh, for yeah. a Christian podcast. Oh, uh, no. To be clear, I'm not Christian. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> I've, this I've is watched an unfortunate... that movie by Michael Polish. They... Yeah. They, they, yeah. Well, you know, the Polish brothers got to eat too. But um, career got away from them. What the, can I say? The, yeah. the, 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 it is worth uh, watching for sure because I think less, more than almost every other movie that you kind of describe or maybe damn with faint praise as Lynchian, mm-hmm. this movie is a is in conversation with yes, lynch films yes, yes. this movie mm. plays with your expectations of what a lynch lynchian film might be down to the title right like yes this the, the yes. title of this film feels it's a nod to twin peaks sure nod to twin peaks yeah. it, 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 it's interesting in that way and mm-hmm. almost immediately you start to feel like oh um you're trying to do lynch and then pretty kind quickly, of stops yeah doing clear it. he's yeah. not yeah but he wants you to kind of have that um expectation going in i i really really i loved it i really loved yeah we really we really loved okay. it i i i would also my question to you karen is more about sort of what are your feelings about not about david lynch per se but of just kind of filmmakers that try to do that a man like a I, man who famously has never met a woman <laughs> god damn it kenny <laughs> he's just trolling for twitter people to yell at him again for a joke he made about david lynch continue Karen, okay please. sure i was like okay um well i mean i think it's sort of the same mistake that a lot of studios tend to make where well i mean the most recent example i can think of is like when everything everywhere all at once came out and was really successful and some a trade wrote like this shows that people are eager for multiverse movies and it's like no that's not really the root of like what makes this object so special which i think is what happens when people say lynchy in a lot they just mean yes. i think it's weird it's which weird. is not what he's about mm-hmm. not that simply anyway so yeah no i i, I couldn't agree with you more i I do think that, um, I mean, and listen, as we all know, uh, this town is superficial and tends to draw conclusions based on the mm-hmm. least uh, challenging notions they can take from said piece of art. Um, so it is it is common and unfortunate. Um, and I do think that uh, it's easy to paint Lynch with that brush of, oh, he's weird. Oh, it's weird. It's quote unquote quirky. It's whatever. Um Whereas I think that there's obviously so much more going on in his films. And I think there's so much more going on in Twin Falls, Idaho Mm -hmm. than what I imagined when it was released in, in 99 um, of sort of, I imagine being painted with that brush as well, which is 
you know, a bummer. But yeah. check out the movie. I believe it's streaming still on Pluto or IMDb TV or whatever it is now. Um, but uh, check out Twins Falls, Idaho. Okay. Um, Karen, this was a pleasure. Uh, as always, we're Thank so thankful. Thank you so thankful. much for having me back on. Oh, my God. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, we're so glad that we were able to make it happen. And we honestly, as as is always the case, we can't wait to have you back in the future. Oh, my gosh. Me neither. Wait, can I can I do a plug? Absolutely. Of course. Uh, my book, Bong Joon-ho, Dissonant Cinema, is coming out in November. And you can pre-order it now or wait till then to buy it. But anyway, that wait, is... It's, it's available for pre-order as we yeah. speak? Yep. Um, I have yet... I Is there, like, can we see what it looks like? Is there a cover art? Yeah, the cover is up. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it's I pretty no official now. Ch- yeah. I need to check that out. Um, <laughs> cannot wait to read this. Cannot Thank wait to you. see it. Um, also, uh, for for the for the nerds out there, buy Okja so that on Criterion so that you can read Karen Hahn's That's right. yeah. beautiful essay about Okja that is inside oh, the thank disc. Thank you. Um, a beautiful, a beautifully weird, lovely movie mm-hmm. uh, with a uh, beautifully uh, written essay in front of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, listen, just uh, get all the Karen Hahn you can, guys. Yeah. Uh, buy buy <laughs> her I, super yucky t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> nice forward, David Lowry yeah we just confirmed Very that or cool. we just that is i guess it hasn't really been announced yet but yeah he, oh, well, he's amazon knows. for us which is very nice of him <laughs> <laughs> that is amazon it's on amazon knows. i guess they've, they've they've set it on amazon so yeah or i know they updated the cover no, but i mean I don't he told he like... told me first but, <laughs> um but i knew that i could he said it's okay if i tell people so yeah uh, yes, Ford by everyone... David Lowry. So at the least, go buy for his beautiful writing. <laughs> at the very least, you get a little bit of David Lowry. No, yeah. buy the book because I can only imagine what uh, Karen Han uh, waxing poetic about Bong Joon Ho. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it right now. It's oh, thank my, you. My wife's favorite director. Also, it's... again, even mm. if you think my writing sucks shit, there's a bunch of <laughs> interviews at the back of the book with Bong's collaborators that are who are really oh, cool awesome. and who everybody loves. Uh, so we're very excited for your 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 scripted writing. But as you know, you're the best in the game. Oh, you're thank the best you. In the game. <laughs> So we're looking, we're, we're we excited can't... about the Bong book, but oh, uh, the Bong book's going to be. I, but I'm sure I'm sure it'll be the best in this game too. All right. <laughs> Thank you so so much, Karen. This is an Thank you guys pleasure. so much. All right, I'll talk All to you right. soon. Good to see Bye, you. Guys. Bye, guys. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.